Amen. God's doing great stuff. Amen. And, and the fact is, is that he's doing it in us, through us and amongst us, and he's using us. Look, I, I know it's early, and there, there's, a little, there's still a little diesel fume. Can you smell it? You know, that scent of thing where, the, you know, landlords are working on the building next door, and they've had bobcats in there and stuff, and you can still kind of smell a little bit. Don't use that as an excuse to just uh, go into a coma. Okay? It, it, it's, uh, uh, it behooves us. The Bible says it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto his name. And, 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 you know, the Bible tells us that we're supposed to live this God life in high spirits. Be in high spirits. Rejoice in the Lord always. That means find a lot of different ways to rejoice. In all ways, in every way. Everything you can think of. Get creative. Amen? Get creative and just find some way to show joy. Rejoice. Rejoy. Re. Re is God's favorite prefix. It means to bring back to the original state of. Right? And God likes to re-stuff. He, he you know, renew, refresh, revive, restore. He's into re-stuff. And, and you want to be like God, then you got to get into re-stuff. Re-joy. So, well, I don't have nothing to be happy about. Get your joy tank full again. How, how, you know, well, how are you going to do that? You waiting for something to happen. No, happiness, that kind of happiness is based on happenings. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And when bad stuff is happening, it might impact your happiness, but it can't touch your joy. Amen? It can't touch your joy. You want to demonstrate Satan's defeat? Right at the worst moment, just say, thank you, Jesus. You know, and I can just, you know, I can just tell you that uh, uh, we, we know that, s- that, that several people are dealing with hardships. You know, this time of year, this time of year, uh, you know, we, we think it's all about, you know, good times and happy stuff and, you know, and, uh, but the fact is, is that a lot of people deal with a lot of hurts and a lot of wounds this time of year. And, you know, for, uh, for, for some people, it's, uh, you know, dealing with, with an empty chair this season that's never been empty before and somebody's been taken and, and all they can think about is uh, that which has been ripped from their grip. But God wants us to remember what he's placed within our possession. And the enemy, the enemy's, the enemy's good. He'll do anything he can. He'll use any open door he can to distract you and move you away from your joy. Well, because we know that it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. So if he can get you separated from your joy, he's got you at a weak spot. And, and if he can approach you in, in that area of weakness, he can get a hold of you. And if he can get a hold of you, it's not long till he can have a stronghold on you. Right? And you, you end up uh, upended, you know, off-ended, offended. You know, how could God do this to me? How could God let this happen? How could God? Listen, stuff is going to happen in life. And it's not until, and it's not until life gets real that the true value of who we are in Christ comes to the forefront. You know, in my weakness, I get to experience his strength. When it's hard, you know, when we feel like we're, like, 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 like we might not survive the holidays. And I'm here today to tell you that you don't only have to survive, you get to thrive. You, come on, you get to thrive in this season you, because we're, we're carriers of life. We got more life than death, right? It's not the absence of death. It's just we have more life than death. 
right? We have more joy than sorrow. It's not that we've never been touched by sorrow. It's just that the joy that we have swallows up that sorrow. We have more peace than chaos. Can somebody say, I've seen chaos, right? Well, but I've got a greater peace. And, it's, and, and, and you know, it's the prince of peace that lives in me. And sometimes you got to remind yourself of what you know because, you, you know, what you know has the power to set you free, but the enemy's trying to distract you from what you know. You know, Romans 8, 28, it says, For we know this. We know that all things are working together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Don't you know that? We know. You, you know, it's like David said when, when he said, I look back and, and I can see you were there. It's hard sometimes in the present to see God at work. You know, it's a little bit easier to look back and go, yeah, he was working in that, this thing that I hated the most. I mean, there he was working in that very situation. But, uh, but I tell you what we've got to do. We've got to get our eyes open and recognize that he's here right with us right now. You know, he's got a hope and a future, and I can see God doing some stuff out there in front of me. If only he could perform about 107 miracles today. But the reality is, is that he's in your situation right where you are right now doing great things, and everything is going to work for my good because I'm loving God. Come on, don't, don't you love God? Yeah, just think about it. There's just some stuff you know, but we don't always live like we know it. You know, we end up going through life and forgetting the stuff we know. That's what, that's what James was writing about when he said, you know, uh, hey, be a, be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Because what happens to a lot of people, he said, is it's like they, they walk up to a mirror and they see who they are, but they turn and they go away and they quickly forget who they are. You're a conqueror. You're victorious. You're seated in Christ Jesus. You've got it going on. Hell is having a meeting right now about you. Because, you know, what are we going to do if they ever figure out who they are and what they got? Man, I got to tell you something. I really believe this, that if we could remember to remember for like six days all tied together. My Lord, somebody. There's stuff just wouldn't be able to, 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 to cling to you. It wouldn't be able to hold you because you'd know no matter what it is. I mean, you want to talk about giving the enemy a black eye. I mean, right when he takes his best shot and you remember all things work together for my good. All things, all things work for my good. Don't ever forget that. You know, I'm not trying to get you to pretend like you don't have hardships or pretend like the sorrow that you're dealing with isn't real or or, or to try to, you know, well, let's use some mind over matter. No, that's not what it is. It's It's a revelation that no matter what happens, my final outcome is better than my current condition. You know, I don't like everything that happens. It's hard to enjoy life sometimes. You know, Jesus came that we might have and enjoy life. Sometimes it's kind of hard to enjoy it because life sometimes is tough. But I know at the end, all these things are coming together for my good. Right? I can't lose. I can't. Uh, you, you ought to be able to tell the whole world, you can't lose with the stuff I use. I got, I got God in my life. You know some stuff. You know, if we took time tonight and started talking about the goodness of God, 
how good God's been. If we, if we, if we just took time and started passing the microphone around, and, uh, and we started sharing about how good God is, we'd still be here next week. And we, we could lock the doors and not let anybody else in. And we could just talk and talk and talk and talk about the goodness of God in our lives. You know, Diane stopped me during the uh, five-minute break and, and told me that her doctors, when she goes in, they have to be resuscitated. You know, less than a 1% chance of survival, but she didn't survive, she thrived. Oh, uh, yeah, that's worthy of a big praise. Come on. I couldn't help but think that, that when she went into the second phase of the story, because that was just one issue, and then the next issue is a real miracle that you're still here. Dead woman talking. You know, here we are. We got, we got, we got God life, and, uh, but yet there's still going to be moments. How many know there's still going to be moments when the enemy... For somehow, some way, you know, he gets in there and gets you to think about, you know, something else and to hyper-focus on something else and forget, oh, yeah, it's going to work for my good. It's going to work for my good. I want to read a story. Um, This is a true story. A a church had heard that a strip bar was planning to open across the street from their church campus, and in an effort to put a stop to the opening of the bar, the church came together and started holding Uh, heavily advertised prayer meetings outside in the parking lot facing the property in question. They're just meeting outside, getting bold. And even as construction of the new bar was completed, they just agreed and continued to meet several times a week to pray. The grand opening came and went. The church continued to meet and pray. Then one night, something really dramatic occurred. In the wee hours of the morning, a blazing fire erupted and the strip bar burned to the ground. The fire was investigated, and it was determined that a bolt of lightning had struck the building and caused the fire, which had totally destroyed that property. At that point, the legal owners of the establishment, which was made up of numerous partners, joined together and filed a lawsuit against the church. And their claim was that the lightning strike which caused the fire was directly connected to the people of the church who had conducted the public prayer gatherings, and therefore the church should be held accountable. The members of the church and all the leadership stood before the judge, and they each testified that they were absolutely not in any way, shape, or form responsible for the fire which had taken the neighbor's business. And so and amidst the arguing and, and chaos, uh, there was a lot of commotion during the trial. At one point, the judge quieted the courtroom and made this statement. He said, it appears that there is a simple issue, one single issue, that has created such a great crevice which divides the two parties that stand before me. On one side, we have a large group of so-called immoral business owners who completely believe in the power of prayer. And on the other side, we have a group of so-called radical believers who do not. (laughs) Hoo-ah! You know, sometimes... Sometimes you got to be willing to pay the price of your answered prayer. That'll preach. You know, you know what's really weird is that sometimes the faith and conviction of those yet far from God is much more impressive than those who claim to be walking with him. You know, I, I really think it would shock you to find out some of the beliefs that your non-believer friends possess And some of the beliefs that we're supposed to possess that we haven't got a grip on just yet. We know all things work together for good. Now we've got to believe it. 
Now we got to live like it. Come on. It, it, ain't doing, it, it ain't doing your lost family any good when you act like they act in a hardship or trial. Here you are. God answered your prayer. You said, save me, change me, use me. How many have ever asked God to use you? Hold your hand up so people can see it. I don't want them to think they're the only one. You said, God, use me. Now you feel used. I don't like it going this way. Well, the reality is, is you're not in control of how it goes. You're in control of how you're going to go, regardless of how it goes. You know, I, I, I think that we forget that as recipients of this amazing gift, this free gift, when we accepted the free gift of salvation, we forgot that it would demand a development and a willingness to share this amazing gift regardless of the cost. How many times do we not share this gift because we think it'll cost us too much? Well, if I live this life out loud, I'm going to lose some relationships. Well, you might rescue some. You, you might rescue some. You, you might have people in your world that are rescued from the jaws of hell because you decided to live God life out loud. Well, I, I, I just want to live it quietly. You know, this thing that I got, this is a personal thing. And I, I, I don't go to work and, you know, like, 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 I'm, a, like I'm an evangelist. I, I just go to work and I'm real quiet about my faith. That's a religion mindset. I think you ought to keep your religion to yourself. But it's very difficult to keep your relationship to yourself. You know, I'm not talking about going and telling people, you know, how bad they are and how wrong they are. I'm talking about living a life that demonstrates how good God is. And how that in the midst of, of heavy fire, you stand there bulletproof. Because there's an awareness, a belief system. God causes everything to work out for my good. You know, I think if we don't live that way, we kind of miss the mark. You know, if salvation was just about getting you to heaven, you'd pray the sinner's prayer and we'd look over there and there'd just be a pile of ashes or something. You're gone. But there's a purpose for which God's got us on this planet. And there's a gifting that's operating on the inside of you that God's going to use to allow you to be effective and have impact on the lives of others. See, in order to rescue those who are far from God, uh, what we have to be willing to do is to take some risk. You have to be willing to risk everything. Well, I think what you have to do is be willing to risk you. So it's not just being on the rescue squad, but it's actually being a member of the risk you squad. You have to, you have to be willing to risk you. Look at your neighbor and say, are you willing to risk you? What if you look bad? What if you look wrong? What if you look strange? What if you look odd? But the reality is, is that the people without hope are hoping that the people with hope will demonstrate some hope, especially in the midst of their hopeless situations. That you'll have something that will keep you on track. If we don't live this thing out loud, we're, well, could it be that we're in sin? 
Just check it. Well, we came for a holiday sermon. <laughs> You're going to get one <laughs> next week. Okay, so here's the deal. First John, First John chapter 2, just want to read a little bit. My dear children, my dear, and hear the heart. Man, he's, he's, he's writing it, and, he, and he's like, come on, guys. You know I love you, but I'm writing this so that you will not sin. You know, the, the Message Bible says uh, to guide you out of sin. You know, everybody's got some sin. Come on. Yeah, everybody's missed the mark. I think the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all got a sin issue. But he said, you know, I'm writing to you so that you could, like, maybe put an end to that. So you can quit being controlled by that. Because if anyone, verse 2 says, or, or, yeah, it says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father, Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. And he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sin. And not only our sins, but the sins of the whole world, too. It, guys, that's good news. You know, that you, you know that not only is God's ability to forgive you real, but his, his willingness to forgive everybody's real. Right? And, and, and he said, and we can be sure that we know him. Look at verse 3. We can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. You know, if we obey him. You know, uh, and I just want to say this. I want to be pastoral for a minute. Because, uh, you know, uh, I think when you're, especially, you know, when, when you're just pretty new and, and you pray, uh, God, you know, come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me hope. Give me vision. Give me strength. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. And you don't, you know, you don't really even get out of the building before the enemy comes and says, I don't think you're really saved. Anybody had that happen? You know, when you, when you pray that prayer and, and, uh, and in the morning you wake up, I mean, you feel pretty good. Maybe you feel pretty good all day long, but you wake up in the morning and, and the enemy, he's right there and he's planting that seed. I don't think you're really saved. I bet you're not really saved. So the next time you have the opportunity, you get born again, again. I remember, you know, uh, uh, when I decided to really, you know, let's get real with God. And, and uh, uh, you know, and I was 17 years old, and I decided I'm, I'm going to go all in for God. I'm, I'm going to get real with God. And, and I got born again sometimes, multiple times in, in the same services. Because, you know, I, I would respond. I, I, I was like an altar call junkie. Everything they prayed for, I, I was then there, and I was praying, you know, yeah, pray for me for that. And, and, and I mean, I even went for, for a season where I just decided that I didn't make any difference what they were praying for. I was going to respond because I, I didn't know if I needed it or not, but I'm going to get whatever we got. You know, I, I was just living that way for a while, you know, but, but it was weird to me because every time, every time I got born again, again, that thought would come because I'd have a bad thought or I'd do the wrong thing or I'd make the wrong choice or I'd do, you know, and, and I'd be convinced that I wasn't saved. Well, the Bible says if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, guess what? You're saved. You know, so really, in, in reality, you know, it, it's not going to hurt you to continue to respond, but at some point you got to live like you know I'm saved. You know, what really helped me is when I started realizing, oh, there's a call in my life. You, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, I think it is, in the Amplified Bible, it says that God hath bestowed gifts on us. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant about these spiritual gifts. I love the Amplified because he says there's special endowments of supernatural energy that distinguish certain Christians. Special endowments of supernatural energy. I just love that statement. That there's something special that God's dropped in you. There's an anointing on your life. 
You know, I don't know what you think the anointing is. Well, that's when angel wings come down and they flutter around you, and when you get up, there's gold dust on the floor. No, the anointing is a special endowment of supernatural energy that gives you the power to do exactly that which God has created you for. There's something on the inside of you. And, and what really helped me is that I was reading in the book one day, and it, and it said that we, you are both saved and called according to his purpose. And I decided to quit trying to live like I was saved and to start trying to live like I was called. And all of a sudden, the mind thing changed, and now instead of telling me I wasn't saved, the enemy said, you're not really called. And I went, oh, I got you now. Now, now I understand how that works. Whatever I'm pressing towards, that's what the enemy's coming against. He, he, he never, I don't think he ever really told me ever again, you're not saved, because it wasn't an issue anymore. I'm not living like I'm saved. I'm living like I'm called. And, and, now, and even today, sometimes the enemy will come and say, I don't, know, you, I don't know that you're really called to this. But I got to live like I know it. Huh? Got to live like I know it. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to live like you know it. We can know that we know him. How? By obeying him. Look at verse 4. It says, if somebody claims I know God, but they don't obey God, that person's lying, not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love God. Maybe, maybe the reason we struggle with Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good for those who love God. Maybe the reason we struggle there is because we don't completely love God because we're not really obeying God. Testing one, two. Those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. This is how we know. Why? Because I'm obeying. Even when it don't feel good. Even when I don't get it. Even when I don't like it. Those who say they live in him. Look at verse six. This, is, this kind of sets the bar a little high for us. Those who say they live in God should live their life like Jesus did. Well, what did he do? He risked everything. And I think sometimes we, we, we want to live by faith, and, but we don't understand that faith is not simply believing regardless of the circumstance. It's obeying regardless of the consequence. I'm just going to obey God. I'm just going to obey God. We can be sure we know God when we obey God. Those who obey God show their love for God. Those who show their love for God are truly living in God. Those who are living in God live like Jesus lived. I just got to live like Jesus. I got to live. Well, how am I going to do that? I, I can't do I have strength for all things. I'm going to live like Jesus did. We know we know God. We know we know God. Well, then live like it. We know how Jesus lived. Well, then live like it. And we know his commandments. So obey like it. Well, I can't follow all the commandments. Okay, let's just take one. Matthew 28, 17. Let's check this out. When they saw him, he had just been crucified, and they went to the tomb, and it was empty, and he's risen, and all this is coming on. It says that they fell down and worshipped him. Some doubted. Don't you think that's a little odd that Jesus was crucified? They put him in a tomb, and now he's standing there in front of them. Some of them still doubting. I mean, you think about all the miraculous stuff that's happened in your life, and you're still having trouble with that second thought. Don't think that you're some kind of loser. You just, that's just where the enemy strikes. Jesus approached, look at verse 18, breaking the silence. 
He said to them, all authority and all power of rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And I'll be with you forever. We call this the Great Commission. The Great Commission. The Great Commission. This, this is not a suggestion. When Jesus said, go out and preach the gospel to all the world, it wasn't a suggestion, that was a commandment. And not only a commandment, but we've recognized it as the great commission. And a commission is simply a commandment that has the power to fulfill it tied to it. In other words, he said, you know what, this is what you're going to do, and I'm going to empower you to complete it. So in other words, you, you, this, is what, this is what you're on the planet for, and you have no excuse to not get it done because I'm going to give you a special endowment of supernatural energy that's going to set you apart from everybody else. You can get this done. You're going to just take the goodness of God in you and take it to the world. See, a lot of us are waiting for the church to respond, uh, you know, or, or we're waiting for the world kind of to respond to God, and we want the world to come to church, but God didn't command that the world come to church. He commanded that the church would go to the world. Think about it. You know, hey, obviously we believe in church, you know, in having a gathering. We, we don't actually go to church. We are the church. And, and the church ought to be happening everywhere you go. But you might have to do what happened there in verse 18 and 28, 18. Jesus breaking the silence. It might be time for you to break the silence and share the goodness of God. You know, this season, if you think about it, you, you know, think about all the people who are, who are shopping and spending money they don't have to buy gifts that aren't needed to prove to people we like you. You know, you, you go on this, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like a, 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 you know, a, a hunt of some kind. You know, people engage in this, this, this demanding hunt and, and, and they're, they're searching and searching, spending a lot of time searching and that's just for a parking spot. You know, uh, by the way, you don't have to go to the mall. Well, I, I want to get pictures with Santa. Santa attends the garden. And bring your friends and, and, and have them bring their kids and get their picture taken with Santa. Keep them out of the mall. You know, when I go to the mall, I have angry thoughts. You know, and so maybe what you ought to do is just bring people to church so that they could get their kids' picture taken with Jesus. You got this tool to use to, to, to fish. You do realize that it's like 80-some percent of people uh, that attend services do it on a holiday in a season, you know, like, like, like Christmas. And, and, and another statistic, and you know the facts about statistics, right? They're all made up on the spot. So 93.7% of all people that attend during the holiday come because they were invited. So get out there, invite somebody, and bring them to church with you. Oh, maybe I should preach that a while just because of the way you looked at me when I said that. You know, it's not, it's, not, it's not just about, you know, having, you know, big numbers. But can I just tell you something? that Every, every one of those numbers represents a soul. Do you know how easy it would be for us to double the size of this service next weekend? All we have to do is each bring one. I think, I think that maybe that ought to be our goal. He said, go out into all the world, make disciples. Maybe what you're going to have to do is break the silence. 
thought we were talking about sin. We are, because we're not doing what he said. This is the Great Commission. Do you really think, you know, you think about some of the sins, and I know we don't like to talk about sin, especially at church. It's kind of weird, but uh, uh, we, we get to think about sins in our life, and you're thinking about a habit you've got or a mindset you've got or, or, or some mistake that you've made. Well, wait a minute. What if you just started reaching the lost and you weren't timid about that? I'll bet a bunch of the little things would start to come together. Let's just, let's just live this thing out loud. Uh, you know what it is? It's, it's the sin of omission. And I think the church is very guilty of it. Because we make church about us. When in reality, these services are about reaching the lost. This is, this is our opportunity as a team to bring people who are far from God and get them in an environment where they'll experience God and recognize, well, that's, that's what's different about your life. You have a real relationship with a real God. It's Christmas time, and we're looking for the perfect gift, especially if it's on sale. You know, we're trying to find the most expensive thing we can at the lowest price we can get it at. But yet we've been afforded the luxury of sharing the most valuable gift ever given to mankind freely. Why not just share how good God is? Can I just tell you how good my God is? You know, I know you're going through a hard time, but can I just tell you, I have a peace now. I sleep good at night. I know what you're dealing with, and I know what you're dealing with is real, but I'm telling you that what God's done in my life is real too. I'm telling you, God is awesome. And instead of justifying the sin of omission, you know, there's two different kinds of sin, the sin of commission and the sin of omission. Matter of fact, a Sunday school class teacher was teaching the kids in, on a Sunday morning about these two different kinds of sin. And, and she, she asked the class, she said, uh, who can tell me what the sin of commission is? And uh, little Sally raised her hand. She called on Sally. Sally, what's the sin of commission? She said, that's when I do something that I, uh, that I know is wrong. I've committed a sin. Right, Sally, that's good. Who knows what the sin of omission is? And little Billy's in the back jumping up and down. And she doesn't want to call on Billy. But finally, she calls on Billy. Okay, Billy, what, what's, what's the sin of omission? And he goes, that's when... I know what I'm going to do is wrong, but I haven't got around to it yet. <laughs> the sin of omission is when you don't know, or when you don't do what you do know is right. Look at James 4, 17. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. You're going to have a hard time standing before God and telling him, I didn't know I was supposed to be the voice piece of God into my situation. You're going to have a hard time convincing God that you didn't know that it was your job to reach the lost. And well, I'm not a preacher. You're the preacher. I'm not your preacher. You preach a sermon every day of your life. And some of you got a bigger congregation than I do. You got more influence and more impact and more opportunity. And I got to tell you something that uh, it just seems odd that those of us who know how good God is don't want the people that we say we loved to know that we know how good God is. I think what we need to do is break that timidity off of ourselves and say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to break the silence and share how good my God is. Well, what about that statement? And this is a great statement. It says, you know, preach the gospel as often as you can and use words when necessary. 
And that's a nice, that's a nice thing. But can I just tell you, I think you're probably going to have to use words. I think you're going to have to just break the silence and say, hey, hey, there's a better way. There's a better way. You know, don't, don't want to get weird on you. Don't need to be religious with you. But I do want to tell you, man, God loves you. Romans 10 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How, how many of you know that? We ought to live like it. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord should be saved. Look at verse 14. How can they call on him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? Can I tell you that you're the preacher? You're the one that's going to say something so that they can hear it. And, and uh, you know, and you're going to go out there and you're going to share this life. And uh, you know what you're going to do? You're going to impact people and you're going to rescue them from the jaws of hell just by asking them to walk with you. So that you, you can lead them in a walk that brings them closer to God. You've been empowered by God himself, anointed by God himself to rescue those who are lost. He's given to you the ministry of reconciliation. You know, we have been reconciled to God through Christ who has given to us this ministry of reconciliation. You are an ambassador for Christ, standing in Christ's place, if you will, begging people to receive the love that God offers them. You know, isn't it crazy some of the stuff that we talk to our people about? You know, get on Facebook and read people's posts. And think about some of the news that they publish. You know, and, 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 you, and you read that trash and you realize that, you know what, what I ought to use this forum for is to share how good God is. Yeah, but it's a great opportunity to, you know, to stick it to my relatives. Sometimes I, th sometimes I think we're, we're so crazy. We talk about some of the dumbest stuff, but yet we know how good God is. Why aren't we talking about that? Why aren't we breaking the silence about the fact that, that you, you know what? Uh, it, well, yeah, but you know what my relatives have done. Do you know what Jesus has done for you? He forgave you. So you ought to just forgive them and say, ah, oh, heck, it don't matter. All things work together for my good anyways. I want to give you four things real quick, and I'm, going to, I'm just going to jet through this. Four things to do to reach people who are far from God. Number one, do be generous. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be so tight. You've been given the, the most valuable gift ever known. Don't be so tight with it. Don't, you know, uh, Proverbs 19 says that the generous man has many friends. Get generous. Live generous. Live generous. Seek to help people with their physical needs, and it won't be long till they're willing to share with you their spiritual needs as well. So just be generous. You know, I, I got to read this scripture, 1 John 5, 14. It says, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Look at 15. And if we know he hears us, talk about stuff we know. If we know he hears us, Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we've asked for. We've got confidence. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. How many of you know it's his will that all would be saved? It's his will that your entire household would experience household salvation. The Bible says, you, you know, when you put your entire trust in the master Jesus, you'll live the life you're meant to and your whole house too. 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved, and your whole house too. This is his will, so I'm confident, and I know that when I pray for that, that he hears me because that's his will, and if I know he hears me, that I'm going to be able to see it. So I'm going to start asking for it, believing for it, and preparing for it, and I'm going to start receiving it in my life. Quit being so tight. Be generous. Number two, do live purely. You know, uh, an immoral lifestyle causes your words to fall on deaf ears. Come on, let me take you to church. If you just out custom, you probably want to stop that. Your commitment to have pure relationships with people proves your testimony of a pure relationship with God. You know, Jesus didn't separate himself from sinners, but he did separate himself from their actions. I don't want you to disconnect from the ungodly, but I don't want you to be like them. I want you to live like Jesus did. He was criticized for hanging out with sinners, but he never acted like they did. He was just, he just put himself in their environment. Well, it really makes people uncomfortable. Okay, good. If it can keep them from missing the mark, then great. Be uncomfortable. I guess that's what I have to be willing to risk because I'm part of the rescue squad. You know, if you, if, if you can't handle being in an ungodly environment without becoming ungodly, then find a place to get strengthened. Stay out of that environment until you're strong, but make it your prayer that, God, I'm going to go into that place and I'm going to demonstrate your goodness, and I'm, I'm going I'm to live a pure life. Number three, do be real. Please, be real. Have some fun. Tell some jokes. Enjoy life. Listen to music. Go to movies. Play a practical joke. Hello? Don't get so religious that you fail to relate to people. Number four, do follow through. Do follow through. You know, I, I think what we ought to do is we ought to be willing to just share our story. We ought to be prepared to pop the question. Do you know God? We ought to be willing to stop everything and pray. And I know what you're thinking. You said be real. <laughs> I don't really pray. Learn to pray. I'm telling you, one of the greatest things that you can do for people. You ought, you ought to just try this sometime. You know, when you're at Costco getting gas or you're at Espresso World getting coffee and you're inside the store and there's somebody standing there and instead of just making small talk, just say, is there anything I can pray for you about? I double dog dare you to ask that question. We've had... We've had people at the gas pump say, no, not really. And then while we we're continuing to fill up the tank, they came back and said, did you really mean that? I think we ought to be willing to pop the question. And I think we ought to be prepared to say, hey, you know what? If you don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus, could you lead them to the church? Because we'll give them an opportunity while they're here. Amen. Amen. Let's not miss this great commission. Don't worry about all those little things. Let's deal with this great thing. Let's deal, let's deal with this great thing and watch all those little things come into place. Let's, let's, let's take what we know. We know God's good. We know that all things are working together for good. We know that if we pray anything according to his will, he hears us. We know that God's on us and for us, and he's working in us and, and amongst us. And we know that, that he's, he's trying to get us to, to break the silence. Well, let's just live like that. Let's give people the greatest gift that they could ever receive, the opportunity just to know the goodness of God.
Amen. Close your head. Close your head. Close your eyes. Some of you needed to open your head. I should have started there. Okay, close your eyes and bow your head and let's pray. Before we leave here today, we, we want you to have the opportunity to receive this amazing gift. If you're here today, say, you know what, Tom? I need God in my life. I need to know that my God is going to cause things, all things, work for my good. I'm ready to make a commitment to Jesus today. I, I, I'm ready to be at peace with God. I, I, if that's you and you're here today, this next prayer that we're going to pray, I want you to make that your prayer. And, and we're not going to have anybody stand or call anybody out, but if you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm going to pray that prayer. I'm, I'm getting real with God today. I want you to hold your hand up real high just so I can get in agreement with you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put them down. Anybody else real quick? That's awesome. Thank you. That's awesome. Anybody else? Just real quick. Thank you. in this room to pray this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life. 